Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Monday, May 18th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Promising results from the Moderna vaccine trials. Brazil's cases are mounting. How much of a difference it makes when everyone wears a mask. Plus, why you might be having trouble replying to texts recently. How climate change played a role in the evolution of rice varieties. And the hottest new sport in town, marble racing. The big news of the day is promising results from phase one of Moderna's vaccine trials. We'll have more on that in the next segment. So first, Brazil is looking to be the new hotspot as it overtakes Italy in confirmed case numbers. They currently have over 245,000 confirmed cases, but experts warn the count could be higher as the country is only testing people when they end up in the hospital, says Domingo Alves from the University of Sao Paulo Medical School. Bruno Covas, the mayor of Sao Paulo, says that public hospitals are at 90% and expected to reach capacity in two weeks' time. He's in talks with the state governor to introduce a strict lockdown despite opposition from President Bolsonaro. 116 countries have joined Australia's push for an inquiry into the origins of an early response to the coronavirus. The coalition includes all EU member countries, 54 African nations, along with Brazil, South Korea, Mexico, Turkey, New Zealand, Russia, Indonesia, India, Japan, Britain, and Canada. The resolution is calling for an impartial, independent, and comprehensive evaluation of the international response to the pandemic. Though it doesn't name China outright, it is already causing rifts with the nation. Beijing has threatened high tariffs on barley and already blocked some beef imports. Meanwhile, in the U.S., more states cautiously begin phased reopening plans. Massachusetts introduced a four-stage reopening plan with levels called START, Cautious, Vigilant, and New Normal, which will each last for at least three weeks and only move on to the next stage when there's been a significant decline in the virus's spread. Stores and malls reopened in Minnesota today. Connecticut will reopen salons, museums, and office buildings on Wednesday. Stores and restaurants are reopening in Kentucky by Friday. And as stores, restaurants, and salons began reopening at limited capacity starting on April 30th in Texas, the state reported record fatalities at the end of last week, hitting 58 deaths in just one day, their highest single-day peak yet. Case numbers are also rising in Texas, although the state has also been testing significantly more people. Scott Gottlieb, in sharing data of hospitalizations by state on Twitter, pointed out, quote, Time to hospitalization is typically about eight days from infection. So if policy and a relaxing of social distancing and of individual practices, less caution, masks, handwashing, is impacting spread, you'd be expecting to start seeing it get picked up in data heading into this week, end quote. Apple stores are continuing to reopen with different restrictions in various locations. While all will offer item pickup and Genius Bar reservations, only some will allow customers inside. And those that do will be temperature checking at the door and requiring face coverings of all staff and customers. Apple will provide face coverings for individuals who don't arrive with one and will also be enforcing social distancing and limited occupancy inside. The TSA is looking to add temperature scans to their screening procedures and will roll the checks out at a dozen airports across the U.S. next week, if approved.
While airlines, the Department of Homeland Security, and some of the TSA are in favor of adding the temperature checks, others at the TSA, as well as some at the CDC, disagree. They point out that it's not a foolproof check for coronavirus, it may prevent customers with other medical conditions from flying, and some at the TSA say that it doesn't fall within the scope of the TSA's security mission. Moderna, who began the first human trials on a vaccine back in March, has announced that findings from their first phase of trials indicate the vaccine is both safe and able to stimulate an immune response to the virus, quoting the New York Times. The findings are based on results from the first eight people who each received two doses of the vaccine starting in March. Those people, healthy volunteers, made antibodies that were then tested in human cells in the lab and were able to stop the virus from replicating, the key requirement for an effective vaccine. The levels of those so-called neutralizing antibodies matched the levels found in patients who had recovered after contracting the virus in the community. The company has said that it is proceeding on with an accelerated timetable with the second phase involving 600 people to begin soon and a third phase to begin in July involving thousands of healthy people. The Food and Drug Administration gave Moderna the go-ahead for the second phase earlier this month, end quote. If all goes well, there could be a vaccine available for widespread use by the end of the year or early next year, but widespread doesn't mean everyone gets one. How many will be able to be manufactured remains to be seen. However, there's promising news on that front as well. This phase one trial included low, medium, and high doses and found that the low doses work more than well enough. And the lower the dose, the more vaccines that can be made. While this is all encouraging news, it's best not to get our hopes up too soon. These are only preliminary results on a very small sample of people. There are a lot of ways this vaccine could still prove ineffective or unsafe as trials continue. Graham Wood, staff writer at The Atlantic, reshared an article he wrote about the Moderna trial when it began back in March, in which he pointed out that RNA vaccines, like Moderna is working on, have never before been approved for human use. So that will be an additional hurdle to overcome. Nonetheless, as news of the success of Phase 1 broke this morning, Moderna's shares rose 26%. Overall, the Dow Jones Industrial Average traded 800 points higher, or 3.4%. So, even while being cautious about eventual incomes, today was not bad on a few fronts. I mentioned briefly last week a new study that said if 80% of Americans wore masks, the infection rate would plummet to about one-twelfth the number of infections. So I just wanted to elaborate a bit on that study today. That number comes from a study put together by Dekai, an American computer scientist with joint appointments at UC Berkeley and the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, along with the support of an interdisciplinary team from around the globe. The team built a forecasting model called the Mask Sim Simulator, which enabled them to create scenarios of populations that generally wear masks compared to ones that typically don't. Quoting Vanity Fair, Mask Sim takes sophisticated programming used by epidemiologists to track outbreaks and pathogens like COVID-19, Ebola, and SARS, and blended this with other models that are used in artificial intelligence to take into account the role of chance, in this case, the randomness and unpredictability of human behavior. For instance, when a person who is infected decides to go to a beach. 
Dakai's team have also added some original programming that takes into account mask-specific criteria, such as how effective certain masks are at blocking the invisible micro-droplets of moisture that spray out of our mouths when we exhale or speak, or our noses when we sneeze, which scientists believe are significant vectors for spreading the coronavirus, end quote. The team plans to publish the study in a major journal soon, but so far it has received promising feedback from other researchers who have reviewed it. You can see how the model works in a video that I will put a link to in the show notes. In addition to demonstrating how the computational model works, the video also shows how at 80, 90, and 100% of people wearing masks at the 70% effective rate the team estimates for homemade face coverings, most of the dots representing people stay free of infection. However, you have to be at pretty much 80% mask wearing at the minimum for there to be any effect. Dakai said, quote, If you get down to 30 or 40%, you get almost no beneficial effect at all. End quote. So, while this study is reassuring that masks most likely do have an impact, we really have to get most people to be wearing them, which is easier said than done in a lot of places. And while masks do seem to prevent spread, the World Health Organization is always careful to note that they need to be worn properly and that the wearing of a mask should not lure people into a false sense of security. Social distancing, staying home when possible, and other precautions should still be taken. So, over the years, I've gotten worse and worse at replying to messages, emails, texts, DMs, all of them. I started 2020 making a resolution to be better about it. I implemented some systems to try to help, but then the pandemic hit, and for some reason, it became even harder for me to reply to messages. If this sounds familiar, or maybe if you are great at replying to messages, but you've noticed that some of your friends and family are suddenly awful at it, there might actually be a rational explanation for why this is happening. Shira Etzian, a licensed marriage and family therapist, told Vice, quote, we're suddenly in this position where the way of communicating is 100% virtual, and the technology that we're used to using for fun or by choice is now our have-to form of communicating, end quote. She also explains that people are having to adjust to the fact that just because many of us are at home more doesn't mean we're present and available all the time, that we need to remember that fact in others and accept that reality for ourselves. And that those who feel the pressure to reply immediately because they're thinking the person who reached out knows that they're at home and therefore have no excuse for not replying might be causing themselves to be more unresponsive by creating that unnecessary pressure. Quoting Vice, according to relational therapist Racine Henry, that assumption in itself is the problem. Quote, the benefit of all this is we don't need an excuse, and I hope we get out of the habit of feeling like we need one, she said. Just because we can't leave home as freely as we used to doesn't mean we don't have things occupying our minds or emotions. In other words, it's valid to be busy, overwhelmed, and unable to text back even when you can't leave your house, end quote. The therapists quoted give the following pieces of advice. First, communicate your capacity and be clear about expectations. Instead of feeling pressured to give a complete response when you may not be up for it, try responding with something like, can we talk tomorrow when I can give you my full attention? Additionally, they say we need to cut ourselves and each other some slack right now. The middle of a pandemic is not necessarily the time to be trying to tackle bad habits or judge ourselves by the same standards we did before. And we need to remember that when we interact with others. How someone is behaving right now might not be reflective of their usual self. 
So I'm not saying we're all off the hook, but maybe we can ease off on how hard we're being on ourselves. And if I owe you a text, I'll get back to you soon. If you've been stocking up to avoid going to the grocery store too frequently, you might be eating more rice than usual. So here's an interesting recent discovery to spice things up. Spice things up intellectually, anyways, I can't help you if you're out of recipes. Researchers at the NYU Center for Genomics and Systems Biology have linked a major cooling event 4,200 years ago to the evolution of new rice varieties and the spread of rice to more parts of the world. Quoting NYU, For the first 4,000 years of its history, farming rice was largely confined to China, and Japonica was the subspecies grown. Then, a global cooling event around 4,200 years ago, also known as the 42K event, which is thought to have had widespread consequences, including the collapse of civilizations from Mesopotamia to China, coincided with Japonica rice diversifying into temperate and tropical varieties. The newly evolved temperate varieties spread in northern China, Korea, and Japan, while the tropical varieties spread to Southeast Asia. This abrupt climate change forced plants, including crops, to adapt, said Rafal M. Gattaker, a postdoctoral associate at the NYU Center for Genomics and Systems Biology and the study's lead author. Our genomic data, as well as paleoclimate modeling by our collaborators, show that the cooling event occurred at the same time as the rise of temperate japonica, which grows in milder regions. This cooling event also may have led to the migration of rice agriculture and farmer communities into Southeast Asia, end quote. Researchers originally thought rainfall and water would be the environmental factors most responsible for diversifying rice varieties and were surprised to discover it was primarily temperature. Connecting these dots will hopefully enable scientists to develop new varieties that can withstand future environmental factors like climate change and drought. With most sports leagues still suspended, sports networks, commentators, and athletes have been getting creative to pass the time and fill the airwaves, but one socially distancing-approved sport that I have been a fan of for a couple of years is finally getting the mainstream attention it deserves. Down they come, Hazers to the lead, Green Ducks into the water. Now they have a lot of trouble moving through those quick chicanes to start things off. And the Savage Speeders keep their momentum up. They fall into the final funnel. Raspberry Racers trying to fight for gold. Now, that may sound like a fairly ordinary competition you just heard, but the thing is, in the footage that went along with that, there were absolutely zero humans on screen. The athletes, the coaches, and the fans packing the stands are all marbles. That was a clip from Dutch-based YouTube channel Yella's Marble Runs, which creates highly produced videos of marble racing, and I promise you, it's amazing. People always think I'm nuts when I describe it, but when you watch it, I guarantee you will get sucked in. The brothers who run the channel, Yella and Dion, construct ever more creative structures for the marbles to compete on, including the funnel race, a 5k dash, long jump, collision course, sand tracks, and even an underwater course. Plus, there are marble fans in the stands with signs supporting their favorite teams, there's ambient crowd noise, detailed stats on the screen, a totally serious commentator, it feels like watching an actual game on TV. And they keep track of all the teams, their players, and their stats so that you can stay invested video after video, tournament after tournament. I literally own merchandise from my favorite team, the Green Ducks. Although, I have to admit that the Rojo Rollers and the Snowballs are pretty strong teams right now. 
The Green Ducks didn't even qualify for the 2019 Marble League showdown. It was embarrassing. Every now and then, videos from Yellow's Marble Runs will go viral, but this weekend, their profile was kicked up a notch when they were featured on John Oliver's Last Week Tonight. Oliver did a deep dive on the current state of sports and various proposals for resuming various leagues, ultimately concluding that despite the very real threat to so many employees' livelihoods, the larger threat from the virus remains and we can't rush starting up again. Instead, he suggested Yellow's Marble Runs as an alternative entertainment source, and to help the Marble Racing Channel really deliver for all of their new fans, last week tonight became the sole sponsor of the channel's upcoming Marble League 2020. In addition to providing funding for production, last week tonight is also giving winning athletes thousands of dollars in prize money to donate to various relief organizations. So if you weren't into marble racing before, there is no time like the present to dive in. And while the 2020 Marble League, sponsored by Last Week Tonight, doesn't start until June 21st, with qualifying rounds on the 18th, the brothers at Yellow's Marble Runs have produced several years' worth of Marble Olympics, both winter and summer games, Marble Rallies, Marble League tournaments, and even Marbula One. Most seasons include qualifying rounds, friendly competitions, as well as opening and closing ceremonies, so there is a ton to watch and get caught up on. Link to their channel is in the show notes. That's all for you today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird. Have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.